Good morning, Moore Tribe. Thank you for joining us again online. Sadly, some of our staff were exposed to this coronavirus, so in order to keep everyone safe, as best we know how, we are returning to online church for at least two weeks. Check our Facebook page or visit our website at ilovemore.org for updates on when we plan to open again. We still miss you all, and we pray health and peace over your families. We appreciate how greatly you have all supported the church through this time, and we ask that you continue to go online if you would like to give. We love you, we thank you, and in the meantime, we hope you enjoy worshiping with us today. Well, good morning, church. Uh, welcome to another installment of Church Online. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness, for tuning in every week. Um, it's been incredible since we've been doing this. Uh, it's not my favorite thing to do, but it's been incredible how the Lord's used it to reach so many people. And um, if you are a regular viewer on YouTube, you may notice that the numbers on YouTube look like they're down a little, but it's because we have more and more people going to our website and watching the uh, embedded message there. So the numbers have been great. God has used this to reach so many people, not just at this church, but churches all over the world. And uh, so the gospel's going out at a tremendous, tremendous rate. Uh, sadly, we don't have any dates set yet on when we're going to reconvene as a church, but the elders are meeting this week, and we are going to um, discuss when that might be, and we want to do it as safely and as prudently as we can do it. And so we appreciate your patience, and we appreciate your faithfulness. And, you know, the offerings have been incredible. Uh, I just want to encourage you to continue to support the church. Uh, all the expenses continue to go on, even though we're not meeting, and you guys have been incredible over this time and uh, in sending in your offerings. You know, you can do that even through the mail. Um, I just want to remind people that we don't get mail at our physical address. We only get mail at our post office box, which is 51465, and that's 79159. So I just encourage you, if you want to mail in a check and continue to give that way, that's great. We'd love to move everyone to a bank draft. That would be just amazing because uh, with the bank draft, uh, that's just the easiest way to give and the most consistent way to give. But you do that on the website. You can go there and sign up, ilovemore.org, and it'll tell you. It'll lead you right through on how to sign up for Bank Draft. Or you can just give online, and that's great, too, because a number of you do that as well. And while you're online at ilovemore.org, a reminder that we have a directory on there. So if you go down to Members and you go down, you're going to see your picture under the directory. And I want you to look at that. And if you don't have a picture, I want you to send Stephanie Hansen a picture, and I want you to, uh, you know, in fix any of your bio that's not correct. So we want that directory to be as complete as possible, and we just ask that you would take a, a few minutes to do that. Well, this is our last message on the series Undivided. We've been doing this for about four weeks. This is the fourth week, and Undivided because, you know, I felt led to do this because the country is so divided right now in so many ways. Uh, started off by saying we're not like we're one nation under God. It's like we're, uh, we are divided, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough time right now. Uh, the racial divide in our, in, our, in our churches, yes, and in the country has been pretty uh, uh, rough in the last few weeks. So I've asked several people in our church to share uh, and you've heard those testimonies, and, you know, Tanner shared a great word last week, and he's from a different generation than I am. And this last message that we have from Undivided, I've asked a young man in our church to bring this message today. 
I had originally asked him just to do a testimony, but uh, just the more we talked, I felt like he had so much to say. In fact, I've really been trying to get him to get up here and share his heart for uh, quite a long time now. Uh, he's a very special young man. He, he's uh, uniquely talented, great songwriter. In fact, if you're familiar with our YouTube channel, you'll know that Forever Glorified, which he wrote and uh, is singing on there, has been the most listened to thing on our YouTube channel by far. Uh, very unique guy. And uh, love him. I love his wife, Bianca, and they're soon to be new parents and have a new baby in the world. And uh, so this is a new season for this young man. And I want to introduce to some of you and to uh, just introduce him, maybe for the first time for some of you, Todrick Murray Hunt. Yeah, come up here, Todrick. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this man, this man of God. I thank you, Lord, for him. I thank you for the way you've built him. You, you just designed him to be so unique and so powerful in so many ways. And God, I know that he's entering into a new chapter in his life. And Father, that this is no coincidence that this is the first time in this church that he's bringing a message from your heart, from his heart, to the hearts of your, of your people. So I'm asking God that right now you would just be on him, anoint him, God. Uh, anoint him to do what you've created him to do. And I know, Lord, that music is, is the calling on his heart, but I also know that the word of the Lord is inside this man, and I pray, God, that today it would come out and that lives would be touched and that people would be changed as a result of this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Anytime I uh, do anything specific to... Uh, uh, the church sphere, I always say this creed as a reminder to myself. It's, um, I'm anointed to do the impossible and achieve the incredible. Um, and so I want you guys, if you want to, you can adopt that, take that in uh, for yourselves. And just every day when you get up in the morning, just say, hey, I am anointed to do the impossible or to do the impossible and achieve the incredible anointed to do the impossible and achieve the incredible. Um, because our words have power. Uh, what we say has power. It turns into what we do. And I'm going to speak on that in just a second. But, you know, in the spirit of getting right in there to it, um, I want to just say how grateful I am for this ministry. Um, for Pastor Daryl, I call him P-Dub. For P-Dub, uh, I'm so thankful for this opportunity it's not something that I take uh, lightly at all. It's so cool to be able to not only worship with everyone, but be able to share as well um, just the things that are in my heart. So we're just going to have a conversation today, and uh, we're going to hit on some points and just kind of go from there. Um, Got to give big shouts out to my guy, Matty Ice, Matthew Lindbergh, who is another person who's responsible for me being here. I wouldn't be here without my guy, Maddie Ice, uh, and Catherine, and love uh, Lindsay, and Tanner, and Joey, and Chad, and the list goes on and on. But um, if you didn't know, this church has really been a lot of the resurrection of my soul, um, given what I've been through, et cetera. Cool. Um, let me preface uh, everything I say today by saying um, I'm going to speak from a place um, that is factual, 
I'm going to speak to a place that um, speaks to the original intent of, of things, whether it's biblically speaking um, or even with things that are going on in the world. Um, and, you know, I'm going to try to make sure that, you know, I'm as transparent as I can because I'm an imperfect man trying to just let you guys know what's going on um, in this world and with this good book. Okay, so back in 1998, um, I was a 10-year-old kiddo, and we just moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Jasper, Texas. Now, some of you guys just got an alarm go off in your head because you know a little bit about Jasper, Texas. Um, But we just moved there, and a family friend of ours had just... Um, been um, drugged behind a truck by three individuals, uh, three white men. And so needless to say, it was a very, very tense time. Um, And so my dad, uh, I remember he came into the room uh, uh, at my grandmother's house, because that's where we were to begin with. And he said, hey, son, come on, let's go down to the courthouse. You're about to witness history. So uh, in retrospect, that probably was kind of crazy, but you'll understand why in just a second. So we pull up to the courtyard, and um, when we get there, there's a mob in front of the courthouse. Um, you have the Black Panther on one side. You have a brigade of cops. Uh, brigade of cops. You have like the civil uh, lawmakers and citizens here, along with pastors, which is where me and my father were standing. Same thing on the other side, uh, Brigade of Cops, um, the Ku Klux Klan in full uniform, and all this is happening downtown, small little uh, Amarillo, Texas, or not Amarillo, Texas, sorry, uh, Jasper. And uh, here you have this uh, 10-year-old kid witnessing it all because of an atrocity that had been done by a human being by another human being. Now, you're going to hear me say human being by another human being a lot today. Um, And so a lot comes from that. Ted Koppel comes to town, you know, and Oprah does a story, and we have this town hall meeting. And in this town hall meeting, in the midst of all the turmoil, I have a really close friend. He's one of the closest friends to me to this day. His name is Tyler Barbas. And we do this question and answer part of this town hall with Ted Koppel asking about the social injustice injustice and what had happened. And if the, um, the, he asked if the city of Jasper was in turmoil, et cetera. And long story short, um, Tyler stands up and he says, you know, and this guy's, he's a 10 year old kid. He says, you know, It's amazing to me to see the hate that I see from a particular generation. He said, because we are all God's children, right? And he pauses, looks over at me, and he says, like, Todd, I don't have a lot of really, really close friends, but one of my closest friends, they called me Todd in high school, um, is Todd. And I love him like a brother. And I don't see why we can't do that as a society. Um, Tyler Barbas is 
a white male, um, but he's a human being, and he recognized the love towards another human being in myself. Fast forward just a few months after that, um, we're walking uh, a young lady to her home across the field. We were, I was part of this group called Odyssey of the Mind. I've been chasing, like, being creative since I was young. So Odyssey of the Mind was the first time I got to act slash do something with sound and produce it um, whenever I was in the fifth grade. And uh, so we're walking her across the uh, uh, field. And the beautiful thing about that group is there was a Hispanic person in there. There was a person, uh, a black person, myself in there. We had two white folk. We had one Asian person. Um, and we just all meshed. We were all just so close. And we all did a specific thing to bring together this overall um, vision that we had in this group, um, all human beings in this group. Um, and uh, as we're walking, all of us in this multicolored group of folk across uh, this field to make sure uh, the young lady was safe, we get to the house, and waiting there is a father who, uh, he was a white father with the gun, and he had it over his shoulder. <laughs> and he said, uh, hey, man, I don't, I don't have time for, for you people and what you have um, to offer around my daughter. I feel like it would be a contaminant, so you need to turn around and go back right now. I didn't have to say anything. My friends came to my defense um, because we recognized that we were all, again, human beings devoid of whatever ethnicity we were. We were all human beings. But this was part of the thing that that particular community was really dealing with um, and still deals with to this day, but not as bad <clears throat> at the time. So you have something that is completely atrocious that happens and then you can see it being passed into the next generation inadvertently off of a whim with no credence to why you would treat someone that way. And I'm bringing this up specifically because of something that happens in creation. And I, had, I have particular points I want to talk about. Um, and the name, I ended up um, naming this the sixth day but I want to change it to in his image because there's a conversation that happens in heaven. There's a conversation that happens in which he says, now let's make man in our own image. Now, if you really believe in this study of Christianity, <clears throat> If you really believe that Christ is who we proclaim he is in this scripture, and we believe in a totality of the overall hierarching messages of the Bible, which are do unto others more than you do for yourself and love, no matter the circumstance, love past any pain or hatred or creed, or whatever you want to call it, faction, or religion, or denomination, all of those things that separate us 
as a society and as human beings, as the human race, all those things that separate us can be debunked and put to rest unequivocally without debate in this book that we read every day that we call our lifeblood and our living word. If you really believe that's true, everything that you read or, or the understanding that you seek after is after a common goal of love and doing more for others than you do for yourself, then you have to believe that when he said, let us create human or man in our own image, man being without gender. The word man does not mean male. Let's just make sure that we're clear on that. Let's make man in our own image. Then you have the representation because on earth we come for, from four major people groups, right? So you have to believe that those four people groups are represented in the Godhead. You have to believe that male and female are represented in the Godhead. You have to, because if you can't unequivocally accept that right there, then everything else is null and void. Everything else is null and void. Nothing that you read matters if you don't understand that we were united from the beginning and this entire walk has been a decisive or a, a divisive attempt from the great replicator, the great deceiver, the great liar among liars, who is Satan, to try to make us believe that we were not meant to be together, period. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you call yourself Buddhist, Islamic, etc. If your creed and your desire is to be unequivocally a loving person who is willing to do more for others than you do for yourself, to get past that self-righteous, selfish feeling that all of us battle with every day. If that is your hierarching goal, then we're headed in the right direction. Then we're not needing to be perfect but blameless. But let's get to that for a second. Let's talk about, because I really want to build, everybody, um, build everybody's persona from a body, mind, and soul standpoint. Um, because that's what makes us up um, as individuals. And then it's the spirit that makes the difference, or makes up the difference. So let's make man in our own image, right? We just talked about this. <clears throat> If that's true, then yes, there's a possibility that God looks like us or we look like him because he's our father, right? All races are included in that statement. All gender is included into that statement. Now, he's been able to make us intelligent beings. Intelligence in that the only thing that we really have over other animals is our ability of deductive reasoning and of creation. That's, that's what's so beautiful about this is God made us little creators. Even that part is made after his image. 
Matt and I spend a lot of time doing music, whether it's together or separate. And we can tell you, excuse me, and we can tell you that uh, there's a particular place that you can go to in music production that you know it's more like you're listening on what to do or listening for what you need to put in a particular area or listening for that sweet spot of sound so that it makes the entire composition come together in a way that the listener can just completely enjoy without distraction and then feel it. Because if we have done our job in production, you can feel the heartbeat of any song that comes across um, the, the airways or the sonic waves. Um, and that ability to tap into something that's so amazing, to where you can create something that's so beautiful. Pastor Darrell talked about forever glorified. Now, I was the vessel used to write it, but I prayed to the good Lord about a sound specific to Amarillo. Uh, and there's a part in the chorus that says, oh, stand amazed, be forever glorified. Well, when I wrote that part, in my head, I heard a wooden flute because this is a very heavy Native American area. And when you play that Native American wooden flute, there's a particular feeling that you get that it creates. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Matt, on the recording I did with my family, he actually played the wooden flute on there. So, like, it starts off with that, you know? And it's just, it sets the atmosphere and captures the audience's attention for, like, oh, wait, wait a minute. What? That's cool. But it's, it's both humbling but not surprising that there has been such a gravitation to that song in this area specifically because it was written for this area specifically. Um, but I can't do that if I don't pray, if I don't ask the Lord, all right, this is what I feel like we need to say because you are omnipotent, you are all powerful, you deserve to be glorified and lifted up. Dominion and power, you are our king, you reign. But how would we say it in Emerald, Texas, in West Texas? The prayer and that beautiful communion that happens from heaven to earth right there is a reminder that God has created us not just in his physical image, but he has given us the mental capacity to do Greater things we shall do is what Jesus himself said. Why did he say that? Because from creation, he's given us the mental capacity to do great things, to make decisions that bring us together. This is crazy because the more I talk about this right now, the more I hear the resonance of what's happening in our society because we're living in a time where people refuse to be in close enough communion with the Father to realize that, hey, well, it's a double-edged sword because we're seeing particular changes happening right now in our world. But there are a lot of people who refuse to say, hey, I know 
I know, now this is a statement of thinking and wisdom. I know that we were created the same. Maybe we look a little different. Now let me search out those differences. See the beauty in those differences and then cultivate them to see how we might be the same, how we might grow together, how we might learn to love in a way that's beyond this world, uh, how we might figure out ways to create art that will in turn show a people group that, hey, we look different, but I feel the same thing you feel, right? I had a mentor tell me that music is the one thing that um, invades your privacy without your permission. That's the true why behind why I even turned to music, because it gives me a platform to at least implant an idea that otherwise might not be planted. And that's what we have the ability to do every day with the mind portion of being created in God's image. Soul. Let's talk about the soul. The soul is what ties us to emotion. Um, and essentially is the driving force between the control of mind and body, or should be. The soul is what this crazy fight is for every day. The soul of humanity is something that you keep hearing resonate across the world right now because everyone feels like we're in a fight for the soul of humanity. Now, I said in the beginning, I'm going to say human beings a lot because when I say or you hear or you see people say that we are in the fight for the soul of humanity, they're talking about a totality right? We're talking about everyone who looks, breathes, bleeds, okay? Now, the soul is what makes us feel that fire. The thing that people have been saying a lot out in the streets right now is uh, they're upset about the, the rioting and the pillaging, and they should be peaceful protesters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but both of those come from the same type of soul. So the question is, which one's the right way to, to go, right? I've been doing a lot of interviews, and someone asked me that question. Which would you do? Which would you do? Would you, would you uh, riot, or would you be peaceful? Well, this is a simple question, because let's go back to Christ for a second. This is a beautiful thing because people always like to like, se separate worlds as if we, we live in different worlds. But the truth of the matter is everything that happens in heaven is a model for what happens on earth, right? So when you start talking about uh, politics or religion or spirituality, et cetera, this has already been discussed in heaven. The original ten has already been founded in heaven. <clears throat> so it, which one's right? Do you write or do you, do you stay peaceful? Well, let's look at Jesus. What did Jesus do most of the time on his road, on his ministry? Everyone talks about the miracles, right? 
Everyone loves the miracles. Everybody loves the fact that he was so forgiving to the person that no one else would take the chance to forgive. Everyone talks about the love, right? Because without love, all those things are not possible. But Maya Angelou said something. He, she said that she thought the greatest virtue that exists in humanity specifically was courage. Because without courage, you can't continue to love. Or you can't put love into action when it's not popular. You can't put love into action whenever everyone who's part of your political factions or your particular denomination say, hey, no, they're different from us. You ought to hate them or you ought to be mad at them, etc." You ought to just separate yourself from them because they're not like you. Nah, that's where courage has to stand up strong to make sure that the greatest commandment and the greatest virtue of all love is most evident. So in all those miracles, in all those miracles, Jesus was the epitome of what love is and can be, right? Even when, and that's in the peaceful stance, But even when he walks into the temple and he turns over tables and he knocks merchandise off the tables and he takes the whip of nine tails and whips people for desecrating the temple that was supposed to be a house of worship. That's a riot. That's a taken by force and turning things over. That's a somebody saying, you know what? I will not stand for anything less than the utmost respect and the utmost honor to all people involved. Mind you, this is happening in a temple rooted and somewhat ruined by a Sanhedrin who did not work in love. So, in a sense, this act of love and rioting was an an attempt to save so-called righteous, self-righteous folk from themselves to turn them back to a place of being reminded that, hey, don't tarnish what was meant to be pure. Don't tarnish the original intent of why I created you. I created you so that you can love past all corruption. You can love past all factions. You can love past anything that would make you feel like you are pridefully higher than your neighbor. This takes us back to so many things. Talk about the Good Samaritan. All the so-called righteous folk walked right past. His own kinmen walked right past. But there was a person who was completely different. And I'm not even going to talk about where he was from. The point is he was different because it's the differences that seem to keep on tripping us up right now. He was completely different and supposed to be an enemy or an antagonist to who he was helping on the road. This man who had been robbed, he was bleeding, just lying on the floor, almost lifeless. That sounds awfully familiar, does it not? We just watched a man 
pass away after being choked for eight minutes and 32 seconds. But you can't see, not you specifically, but there are people in this world who can't see that George Floyd and the Good Samaritan are the same person. They are exactly the same. Why? Because there were people who were different who refused to help. In today's world, there were people who were different who refused to help or refused to impose change or demand change for a particular people group who they feel or feel that has been disenfranchised. It's the same thing, just a different society. And you know who tells us of this story? The great one himself, Jesus. My question is, in the story of mind, body, and soul being created in his own image, when did we make the conscious decision to say, I'm going to be little gods and I'll decide who lives and dies. I'm going to be the person who decides whose love is worthy and whose love is not. I'm going to be the person who decides who sees another day and who doesn't see another day. And in a church world that increasingly increasingly grows silent, when we have the need to remind everybody, and I've heard Pastor Dale say it time and time again, and I got so much love for the guy because he speaks truth, and he says it unabandonedly regardless of who walks out, who stays, etc. Because like Martin Luther King says, true smash to the ground will always rise again, right? But I've heard Pastor Dale say it all the time. The healing of a nation is predicated on the fact that churches or the church, not the four walls, but the people who are willing to go out to the streets like Jesus did, are strong enough, bold enough, and have courage. Again, the virtue that helps us keep those great ones into place, have courage to show people that love is the only answer to any solution. And whether you do that by force or whether you do that by peace, the force meaning I got to get your attention because you're not paying attention to me. I'm, I'm, you're not hearing me right now. Or whether you do it by peace because, oh, you're in a crowd of witnesses who are malleable. You're in a crowd of witnesses who are able to be talked to, who aren't stubborn, who want to actually grow with you. That's the difference, right? It's us as a church, as a people who are imperfect, who have fallen, who day by day wrestle with the same issues that everybody else does on this planet. It's up to us who know Bible and the essence of its origins from creation to us being, to us being human beings to say, look, man, don't persecute my brother. You're acting very similarly to Saul right now. But we can be the Jesus that they see on the road to Damascus that tells them, hey, you know what? Let me shut your eyes for a second so you can be blinded from all the nonsense that you're in right now. So that when you see again, you are now changed. 
It behooves us to do this. Why? Because this is what Satan's tactic is. Again, he's the great replicator, right? His tactic is to do everything that his father, the creator, did. So let's reverse the road of Damascus and put the confusion and the pride that has become uh, the nations or the religious background, etc. Those who think they're doing right by saying, hey, whatever faction is saved and this faction isn't and this denomination is right, etc., etc. He's also blinded the people who would be those who God could use. He's blinded them forever. But there's a funny thing about how Satan's tactics done in secret will be revealed and then conquered. Because once revealed, it can be healed by those who are trying for the truth. We might not hit it all the time, but we can at least try for the truth. It's up to us. It's up to us. I want to talk about self-examination real fast. Um, because self-examination, um, we, we're, we're in a place where, um, how are we doing on time? Good. Uh, we're in a place um, where uh, we have the knee-jerk uh, habit of, of uh, superimposing our own insecurities onto other people. That's, that's who we are as humanity, period. Period. I mean, you're looking at a dude right here who, I mean, I had to almost find my identity in what I did just because I hated myself so much. And we'll get to that in a second. That's a whole nother spill. But that's where we are as a humanity. And we go back to Genesis again. And I know this is a creation story that we heard all, that we have heard over and over and over again. But we haven't gotten it. Not in this not in its totality, not really, you know. Um, so I go back to Genesis, and I want to talk about, now that we've talked about um, being created in his own image, the first examples we have of imagery is Adam and Eve, according to Scripture. Now, uh, this is who we're going to focus on. This is a loaded section as well, if you read into it. Uh, don't cast me out of the don't cast me out of the garden because I don't want to be taken over by the other people out there. That's that's Bible right there. Don't cast me out because I don't know if I can survive against the people outside of the garden. But that's a whole nother topic. I just want to drop a little nugget, make you think. We're here to make sure that you think just a little bit. And I'm sending a little amen to my guy Matty Ice because he brought it up one time in a message, and uh, I love it because it challenges me. And I was like, wait a minute, huh? You know, but anyway, let's let's focus back in. But, you know, uh, <clears throat> in Genesis. So we have a man and a woman. Male and female. Uh, Eve is taken out of the womb. Out of the rib of Adam after he's put to sleep, created creates woman. They are thriving together. At this point, they have no clothes on because there's nothing wrong with that at this time. Now, wear your clothes. I'm not saying we ever going to go back to a place to where we don't have to wear clothes and we can walk around here with that clothes on. That would cause a lot of exercising and, like, 
vegeta- being vegetarians again, <laughs> like they were back in the day, you know, walking around, putting the cars away because they was getting their cardio in just from walking. It's funny because anytime I'm in New York, I lose like 10 pounds easy just because you're on subways, walking around, etc. So that was the garden. They was just in the first utopian uh, New York society, and they just walked everywhere without public transportation. That's retarded, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, so you got man and woman, and they're in this. They're in the garden together, and um, <clears throat> everything's happy-go-lucky. They're thriving. We don't know how much time uh, passes before they before Eve meets the serpent. Um, she eats the fruit, uh, which was probably a pomegranate more than it was an apple, just given the situation. But it's even more—it's even more amazing if you think about how many seeds are in a pomegranate, and they ate the seeds, and then that was—that ended up being the seeds of sin, or knowing things. Like I mean, think about it. It's great imagery. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful uh, fruit. By the way, I love pomegranate. Anyway, <clears throat> maybe that's why. Anyway, uh, so as they, they eat the fruit, uh, Eve offers the fruit to Adam. Adam eats the fruit. And immediately, they notice they're naked. They start trying to hide from the good Lord, et cetera, et cetera. The good Lord comes in spirit form. Um, uh, our, the, the, the spirit of the Lord is what the Bible says. Usually when it says the Spirit of the Lord, it's talking about an actual physical, spiritual presence. Um, there are two things that happen in the Bible. Most of the time, it's the Spirit of the Lord, which, we're, which Christ comes. But if it ever is an actual angel, their name is mentioned, like Michael or Gabriel, the archangel, et cetera, et cetera. So most of the time when you see the Spirit of the, Lo- Spirit of the Lord, it's talking about actual God actually coming himself um, to commune with whoever is in that particular passage. Um, uh, so immediately God says, what, what happened? Like, uh, why, why are you hiding from me? And then Adam says, that woman you gave me. Stop right there. Pause. I want to debunk something real fast. Well, we already talked about race equality in that creating in his own image all races were created, were there in, in heaven. We talked, we touched on male and female equality. And the original intent that everyone was equal in a level playing field when we said, oh, created in his image. Come on, man, just stay with me for a second because I'm about to show you something. Now, go on, pull it back, look in there, that box. I'm about to show you what's in the box. Not Pandora's, but the spiritual box. Come on, somebody. Okay. Uh, so, so this is the first time we see blame enter into the world. This is the first time we see a self-imposed insecurity onto another, there's that word again, human being. This is the first time we see the subservient attempt or the attempt to make a woman subservient and make man the head of the household right here. So people always talk about how it's ordained by God that the man is a household, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, that was a man-made thing that God adjusted to because 
we had already made that. The original intent of creation was not for there to be separatist ideologies between male and female or human being to human being. That wasn't the original intent. Just like it wasn't the original intent for there to be a king after King David was anointed or King Saul was was anointed to be the king of Israel. That's not what God wanted, but that's what man wanted. So he made the adjustment because you were no longer living in the particular divinity of perfection that was the original intent for our continual communion with the Father. So this is the first time we see blame happen. And I really just wanted to bring that up for the sake of letting everybody know that, okay, this is where being polarized uh, began. It began with Adam saying, that woman you gave me. When a lot of people like to say that it was Adam's fault after he ate it, sin entered. Well, we're not 100% sure if the roles were reversed and Adam ate the fruit first and then Eve ate it second. The same wouldn't have happened. Because if you really look at it, it took both of them. Adam eats the, let's, let's change the roles. Adam eats the fruit. He looks over at his wife Eve and says, hey, this tastes really good. I know that Father God said don't do it, but this really tastes good. Why don't you taste it? Everything's still fine. And then immediately after she bites it, they both know. Why is that? Why is that? Because it's the first time we realize the imperfection of flesh. It's the first time we realize the imperfection of our humanity because two people chose to follow a route that was not the right route to go. What are we doing now? What are we doing right now in society? What? We have multiple people, though they are not the majority, choosing to eat of the fruit of division, choosing to eat from the fruit of religiosity, choosing to eat from the fruit of denomination to separate, choosing to eat from the fruit of prejudice and racism. And then that just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies until one day through the lineage of King David comes a man who is the second Adam because the first one messed up, who's the second Adam to say, let let me remind you that again, love is why I am laying down my life so that the blood can cover all. That blood covering all is crazy. It's crazy because of a statement I personally say all the time. It shouldn't be embarrassing to be wrong and then turn around and get better. It's only a a humiliation when we choose to stay in that wrong and we're forced to change. Because being forced to change speaks to the scripture that says pride comes before the fall. When you're forced to change, nine times out of ten, you are being supplied 
from your crazy ego stance or your throne of divisiveness, and everyone gets to see that instead of taking the, the, the chance to make the conscious decision within to say, hey, I'm not perfect, I'm not born holy, I'm not born without spot or blemish. I have made mistakes along the road. I have hurt a lot of people. I have maybe killed someone in my past for those who have committed what we call the greater sins. I have killed someone in my past. I do hate myself to the point to where I feel like I need to commit suicide. Now I'm talking about me, huh? But, but is the big one. But is a huge word. Because that but is a repentant stance for you to turn around and say, I'm willing to try and do my best to be better, to be better, to become better. I'm willing to love myself first so that I can superimpose that love unto others. I'm going to share a little, another story of a television show that I've watched. I was going to watch, you know, um, and in this particular show, um, an individual is portrayed and he has become, he has become Satan, basically. And he's become Satan because he has taken on what everyone has told him he is. You're ugly, you're horrible, you're prideful. All you do is work in lies. All you, work is, all you do is work in consent. Your father didn't like you. Nobody around you is really a friend of yours. No one cares really about what you're going through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the bad negative things that people already think about themselves that they're trying to overcome. So he becomes an embodiment, an embodiment of what we see as the pitchfork and, you know, whatever our view of Satan is in our heads that uh, exists. And then a friend of his says, you have to forgive yourself. Why do you keep on taking on all these things and just listen to everybody else? You have to forgive yourself to be different. He's like, I can't. And she's like, why? He says, because I don't know how to. Then he says, but. And at this whole time, his, face, his back has been facing the woman. But at this time, he turns around. He does an about, about face, which, which re, this is what repent means. It means to do an about face. He says, but, and he, as he turns around, you see the demonic presence on his face start to go away and his humanity start to surface. Come on, man. He says, but I'd like to try. A three-letter word in the dictionary. Two of them, but try. Those two words by themselves are a full legal sentence, but try. Man, I'm getting chill bumps up here right now because I was the dude 
who was in so much darkness that I wasn't even willing to give myself the chance to try to see that pin drop of light in the darkness. That's what led to my two suicide attempts because I did not just try, just try. With all the intelligence in this world or lack thereof, it doesn't even matter if you can say, but I will try to do things differently. But I will try to see if this Christ guy that Christianity talks about is worth it. If maybe his tactics will lead me in a different path. I will try to see if just because my brother or my sister looks different from me, I will try to see the beauty in that person versus see the differences and hate it. But try. I will try to look into the mirror a good mirror and try to see a person that I love by introspection, by looking inside and saying, you know what, these are the places that I fall short. But I'm willing to try to make those things better. I had a mentor tell me one time that it's not about what you're good at that you keep working on. Once you got something down, find that weak spot Work on that weak spot until it's as good as whatever you're good at, and then you become more whole. This Bible that we read, this Jesus that we talk about, is all about wholeness and oneness, not as just individuals. Of course, individuals first, but as a whole, as multiple parts one body. As multiple sprockets in the machine, one machine. As multiple cells, multiple perfect whole cells, one organism. Love. Do more for others than you would do for yourself. Just try. I have a lot of other things that I want to say, but I feel like that's where I need to end, right there. Because if everything that I have said, and I've said a few things, uh, if we were in person, I would have asked everybody to get a pen out, so we, or I would have had bullet points so we can make bullet points, because the point of this message is that you would be whole that you would forgive yourself first, that you would love yourself first so that you can be the best version of yourself first, right? So that that beautiful inside, which 
is why Jesus said, I will send a comforter to you once I am gone so that he can reside and live inside of you. I will send a comforter. That comforter is to comfort the insecurities inside of you and the shortcomings. That Holy Spirit is that thing that takes care of that inward man, that soul that controls the body and the mind. That's why we can be four parts, because we have a comforter that we can listen to who can make sure that we feel whole so that we can bleed that wholeness and that love onto others. So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then I'm going to go ahead and get out your way. Um, God, we thank you for the intentional love. We thank you for the intentional stance you made in heaven when you created us in your image to make sure that we were all on the same playing field so that we could all reach the ultimate goal, which is love and loving in heaven for eternity. God, we thank you for the reminder that our differences make us stronger, not weaker. We thank you for the reminder that love covers a multitude of sins. We thank you for the reminder that you are all powerful, all omnipotent, and that there's no place you cannot go or penetrate into where you can't be the difference maker that brings ourselves to a higher place of existence, to a higher place of thinking, to a higher place of loving. We thank you that you, at the end of the day, are that pin drop of light in the darkness that will save us from ourselves, in turn saving a multitude of individuals from themselves and then allowing us to be iron that sharpens iron. And as a result, we all end up growing together. We thank you for that. We thank you for making us in your image. We thank you for making us little creators to remind us of the wonder that you've put in our hands. We thank you, God. We lift you up above all situations, above all factions, above all denominations, above all ethnicity, above all turmoil in the streets, and we rebuke the devourer, the devourer who would come in to say that yours is not the real truth. We rebuke the devourer that would say yours is not the real love because you are the one and the real and the true in this universe. He is the deceiver. And we shut the lion's mouth who would try to speak louder than the truths or the words of truth 
that people who you have chosen to be in place would be. We shut the lion's mouth who would say anything outside of your will and your original intent and your love is what reigns supreme. We shut the lion's mouth and we call it to submission in your mighty name because your mighty name destroys the yokes and breaks down the chains and breaks down the walls. Your name is what makes that deceiver bow down on his knees as the coward he is to just show you that no matter how hard he tries, he will never ever be as great or even come close to power unless it is bestowed upon him. That he is lower than the humans that you created. And I know that hurts his head because we are greater than him and he answers to us. We bring him to submission and we bring you up to being glorified because dominion and power is who you are. You are our king and you reign. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being my help. Thank you for my ancestors who have come up on this stage to help me deliver this message today. We bless you. We praise you. We glorify you. We lift you up. We magnify you. We sing hallelujah to you because you're worthy of the highest praise in Jesus' name. I love you, family, and I can't wait till I get to see you soon. Good morning, more family. We are so happy that we get to do this, that we still get to do worship. Um, I just pray right now, Lord, that you just meet each person where they are. In their living room, in their room, in the car, wherever they're watching service, Lord, you meet them where they are. I know I have felt so far and so alone during these past four months, especially this last week. And I know I'm not alone. And I just feel like I'm so thankful Catherine chose this first song because every single word is what I needed to sing and to hear. And I just pray that it speaks to all of y'all. Lord, I thank you that your ways are higher, that you know just what each of us needs, and you see what's ahead that we can't see. You know what's coming, and you're in charge, and this weird, this year is so weird, but Lord, I thank you that you're still in control, and I just pray that you meet all of us where we are. In Jesus' name, amen.
Before ever go 
tired of You're never gonna change the way Speak to me, I need to hear 
Stand. 